I want to just kick off back in Exodus 35, 1 through 9. And some of this was added last minute, so bear with me today. But Exodus 1, uh, 35, 1 through 9, we read Moses was establishing the Sabbath. And, and he's established the Sabbath, so then he's wanting to build a sanctuary for the Lord. And so he come to the people, and I'll let you guys read that part, but, but he comes to the people and he basically tells them, we'll just read it, Moses assembled all the congregation of the people of Israel and said to them, these are the things the Lord has commanded you to do. And again, we're in Exodus 35, verse 2 now. Six days work shall be done, but on the seventh day you shall have a, a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. Wow. You shall kindle no fire in all your dwelling places on the Sabbath day. Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded. And then he goes in the request for that sanctuary. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, and purple scarlet yarns, and fine twine linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins, goat skins, acai wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and the fragrant incense, and, and ox stones and stones of setting for the epode and for the breastplate. And so we see that that Moses is, again, he's telling them how important the Sabbath is. But what really gets me is that it's so important that, that they need to establish a sanctuary. They need to establish a temple so that on that day, that on the Sabbath, we're to be with God. We're to experience God. That that's what it is. We're obedient. We give him what we have. And then uh, we do it as a congregation. And then he'll divinely intervene. And you'll see that in your life, this, this, this standard, if you will. So let's jump down to Exodus 36 and see how Israel responded. So Exodus 36, and they, the craftsmen, received from Moses all the contributions that the people of Israel had brought for for doing the work on the sanctuary. They still kept bringing him free will offerings every morning so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came each from the task that he was doing and said to Moses, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave command and, 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 and word was proclaimed throughout the camp, let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing. Get that. The people were restrained from bringing, giving. For the material they had was sufficient to all the, do all the work and more. But what I see in here, that this Sabbath, Moses came to the people and he said, the Sabbath day is important, so important. If you don't come, I'm going to kill you. That's what he's saying. But the people saw how important it was. And so when they were asked to bring in they brought in more than enough. In other words, the people realized how important the Sabbath was. It was the presence of God, seeking God, experiencing God. It was important to them. So they gave all that they have to the point they said, there's no more, you don't need to give anymore. 
So apparently it meant something to them. If I ever got up in the pulpit and said to you today, stop giving, have I? Come on. But they invested more into the Sabbath, into the sanctuary than was needed because they had a love and a heart for God. I think of the Sabbath now. You know, because of Christ, we no longer are under the law and no longer will be put to death for not honoring the Sabbath. Colossians 2.16 says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of, on questions of food, drink, or with regard, regard to festivals or new moon or Sabbath. Boy, a pastor don't want to get up and say that. Don't let anybody judge you or question you about how you personally do the judgment or the Sabbath now because Christ came. But I think, you know, do we have the heart of the Israelites that they gave because they wanted that time with God? They wanted that beautiful sanctuary. They wanted that day with him. And then I believe the Holy Spirit got to speaking to me and it reminded me of Romans 6, 1. But do we keep on sinning? By no means. How can we die to sin and still yet live in it? And then it just hit me that we don't have to come to the Sabbath anymore. We don't have to give to the sanctuary but we do it because we love him we do it because we have the heart for the Lord we have the heart I believe like the Jews did back or the Israelites did back in this particular scripture you know I even get to thinking about the early Christians that they didn't have to honor the Sabbath or, or, or have a sanctuary. But they wanted to and they did it almost every day. They poured into God and who they were. They pressed into more of it because they were given the freedom. In other words, in the Old Testament, that they were under the law and it had to be done a certain way. But Christ took care of the law so that we could do the Sabbath every day. And if you read in Acts, it talks about how the disciples in the early church, they had numbers coming in every day. They were on in Sabbath every day. You couldn't keep them away from the Lord or keep them away from the presence of God. They wanted all that. I think the disciples got the point, and I've said this a lot lately, that they weren't afraid to die because, again, they knew they would be the Lord. They were so close to the Lord, they didn't care about this life or getting their life taken. So that Sabbath became every day. They, too, gave more than was needed. I'm not up here browbeating you guys today because I think that's your heart. First off, you're here. 
And second off, you've been given to the sanctuary. And I can stand up here today, and I received a phone call yesterday and or text and asked me what the difference was on the note for the sanctuary and to pay off all this. And it was around $2,400, $2,500, and they said, I'll put a check in the offering today. And I'm believing that happened. And, and so, guys, we no longer need to give to the sanctuary or the buyout. I want you guys to record that and say, my pastor said we didn't have to give today. And you can put in the sub or below there, that was after the offering was taken up. But, but again, uh, I'm believing that that's in there. And, and it doesn't matter either way. God will take care of it. But as we said all along, that the, the first of the monies will go to the buyout. The second will go to the building. And then anything overflow will go into the monies we've gotten into in general fund designated wise because it's put a load on us because everybody's given to this. And so the money will be going to Oakton regardless if there is uh, leftovers. And I believe there's going to be more than leftovers. I believe the Lord told me it's going to get in and pay for the designated, but we'll let the Lord worry about that. But we see these same three reasons that, that Israel was blessed and that we were blessed as a church. We see that the obedience, they honored the Sabbath, and it was so important to them that they gave to the sanctuary. They wanted to make sure they had a place to worship. Everyone gave as what as they had. Exodus 35, 7, the material they had was sufficient to all to do all the work and more. So they gave what they had. And then we see in 35, 4, they divided and conquered craftsmen doing every sort of task on the sanctuary. Many groups doing different things. So when we do our part, God does his part. You'll see a divine intervention. And we've seen a divine intervention personally here today. Because my flesh, it was hard to see that gone. But in my spirit, I knew that if we were obedient and did what we could and did it as a group, that God would divinely move upon us, and he did. So today... I want to thank the Lord for his faithfulness. And I'd like for all of you to stand to your feet today. And I'm going to read Psalms 150. And if you want to read it to me, but I want to, or with me, I want to praise the Lord for what he's done. And I just picked out this one here, but, but read it with me. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet and sound. Praise him with a lute and the harp. Praise him with a tambourine and dance. Praise him with the strings and the pipe. Praise him with the sounding cymbals. Praise him with the cloud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord praise today. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's nothing we've done in ourselves, but praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that he sustains us. 
that he does this. Jeremy, that's why I chuckled when you started playing the drums. And you started moving out in the spirit on the drums. Because we're rejoicing today. We're rejoicing for what the Lord has done. We're rejoicing because he's in control. But when we walk in obedience, when we give what we have, and when we trust each other and stand together, he will divinely intervene in our situations. Do you believe that today? You can be seated. Let's go ahead and stay stand up. No, go ahead and sit down. When we do our part, God will do the rest. And, and sometimes I think we lose sight of this because even myself, you know, Israel, they set out little uh, stones and did different things to remember what God has done. And, and maybe we need to figure out some way to, to remember that. We need to remember that, that, that God is... I <laughs> uh, just had a person text me, they're giving 10 grand. Just right now. Let's give the Lord praise. Give the Lord praise. Well, we're going to get into this designated. Wow. Praise the Lord. I'm curious if they're listening online or just, but I just popped up here. You don't believe me? You don't come look? I got to gain my composure here. I get mad at myself because I'll be honest with you, I'm sweating this in the flesh. And I'd have to get in the spirit to stay ahead of it. And, and to be honest with you, you guys weren't always compatible with me on this. And I don't mean that mean, but, but when we get to dealing with money, people don't want to talk about it. They don't want anything to do with it. But I better shut up. I'm rambling now. But we see this principle And I believe that's what the Lord's trying to tell us today, that that no God-given mission is too big when we follow him. And I don't want to use these guidelines, but but when I was praying about this, um, man, you guys quit texting me. I got another one here. Um, I'm losing my train of thought now. I guess keep doing it. I don't know what to do. I really don't know what to do. So anyhow, I'm going to turn my phone off, so I'm going to do. But uh, but the Lord put on prayer in my heart, uh, Tuesday morning prayer. And, and Roger, you had a big influence on me in that, some things that you said. And, and uh, now I got one for excuses we like to make. But um, that was another text. But... But Mark 6, 35 was feeding the 5,000. Tuesday morning prayer was just awesome. And guys, if you can't come out for that and you got time, you ought to do that. We had a lot of people call in and we had one of our bigger numbers against Tuesday. But but we were talking about feeding the 5,000 a little bit. And and guys, if you want to get down to that, they say 5,000 men, which means that doesn't count children. That doesn't count our wives. And they eat more than we do. And no, I'm just kidding. I got to be careful because next week's Father's Day and I don't want to forget that. So I know it's Mother's Day. I'm trying to see if you're paying attention. But, but anyway, uh, you have all these saints. So there's probably 15,000 people there. Could have been. 
But let's listen to what the disciples did and what Jesus did in Mark 6, 35. And when it grew late, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place. We're in a desolate place. And the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he, Jesus, answered them, you give them something to eat. Oh my, you're just going to even do more here. Thank you, Lord. I wouldn't, yeah. And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. So we see in this that that our first response sometimes to a God dream and a God idea is send them away. And and I want to make point of this because uh, a lot of times we beat ourselves up when God tells us something and we don't respond right. Then later the enemy attacks us and says, you're a scumbag, you're a dirtbag, God can't use you now. Well, we need to realize the disciples even said, send them away. And Jesus gave them a second chance. He responds back to them and says, you give them something to eat. The disciples come back at him and said, it will cost 200 denarii. It's going to cost us money. And Jesus said, well, what do you have? And so this discussion is going on. So it's okay to have those faith discussions. I've had the faith discussions. I've had the faith discussions with the Lord and I come back later. Lord, forgive me. Because even when I have the faith discussions, I still move forward in reluctant obedience and he divinely intervenes. Why? Because he loves us. And he just wants us to, to do what? You've never done anything reluctantly. Mom, how many times did you tell me to do something when I was a kid? I reluctantly did it. But you, she said never. <laughs> but, 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 but I was rewarded anyway. She'd tell me all the time, you better get a smile on your face. (laughs) But they were obedient. And that goes into two, how many loaves do you have? That's that principle, just use what you have. I've already given it to you, just use what you have. What you have is sufficient. We follow that in the Old Testament, it's sufficient in the New Testament. God, he's taken care of you. He's provided for you. And then divide and conquer. They sat down in groups by hundreds and fifties. A group of a hundred or groups of hundred be 50. Uh, Groups of 50 would be a hundred people. But they all were participating. And Roger, that's what the Lord started ministering to me. I can't find you now, but, but, but that's what the Lord started hitting me. He said the other day that 
that they were alone. You ever, you ever tried to organize a group of 50 or a group of 100? There's probably a few in that group that stepped up. So you had Jesus, you had the 12 disciples, you had the little boy with fish, and then you had at least 50, group, or a group, at least 50 groups minimum. We'll just say 75. So, so really you got 80 to 100 people that are participating in this huge event. And when we do that, what happens? Jesus blesses us and he divinely intervenes. And that's all that happened with the feeding of the 5,000. That's all that happened today with the building and the buyout. That's all that happens in our personal life when, when we're going through a situation, when we finally line up with the Lord in obedience and we finally uh, use what we have, the faith is in us, and then get people around us, God will divinely move on the situation. Have we forgotten? Slide 13. This is the, the 2004 picture, and I think that's the day that we burnt the note for this edition right here, 1999. Do we forget that, 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 that God moved on our congregation, we doubled in size? If you don't know the truth, when, when, when we started at 70 or whatever it was with Pastor Larry, we've more than tripled or quadrupled our size. And we've had to build this sanctuary we're in now. And we went outside. That's one of my dad's favorite pictures. I stole it from him and, and scanned it. But that's the, this edition now, 1999. And then slide 14, this is one of my favorite pictures. But Paul, you remember this? Paul Crabtree is out there digging the footing for us. And there he is. I knew I saw he was looking for you. But that was just a Wednesday night youth group and children's. And Paul had dug that base out and we lined up from one end to the other, two or three deep in spots. Because again, God had blessed us so much that we wanted to build an education wing. And that's what we just paid off today. Do you remember going to Carthage, or we used to call it South? Slide 15. We just started a Bible study down there, and it grew to 70 people, and we're counting the children, and so we bought this building here for $3,900. And I can remember voting that at Charge Conference. And 95 people, built, uh, 100% in agreement, agreed to do this. Bob, I think you were the chair then. And we took a group down there. Sean, do you remember the group? We took down there. Me, you, and Dad were responsible to keep materials. And we had groups signed up to do things. And we had already purchased the materials, but so many people showed up to fix the old building up that me and Sean and dad were literally running back and forth to Lowe's trying to keep the product in front of the people to the point we had to say enough. We can't do anymore. That's a familiar story. Can we remember that, that we outgrew that building and and we started looking for another place and slide 16 and that old place we put under contract, no word about it until this place here come open. 
Then all of a sudden we start getting bids on the old building. God told us to ask 50,000. We didn't. Long story short, there's a bid war. And what did we get for the place? 50,000. Do we forget those things? Do we remember how God blessed us and we raised around 300K in three weeks? Similar to what we did here again. But again, it's not about the money or the buildings. It's about the people. And and I went back and these notes are probably 2021. But on Oakton Carthage, just at Carthage, there's been 208 salvations or people re-deadened back to life. In other words, I used to be a Christian. I fell away. So 208. Think about that. That's what it's about. 41 baptisms, 127 members, 31 baby dedications, 16 weddings, four home dedications, and one car dedication. Wow. When we're obedient, and again, that doesn't mean we can't have discussions. We need to have the discussions to determine if it's God or not. Because we could be going down the wrong track. So there's nothing wrong with saying no or I don't think we're ready. There's nothing wrong with talking about things. But when we determine that it's God and we push forward in obedience, in total unity, using what we have, we'll see a divine intervention. And then you see those results. And I'm not even counting the, the salvations. That I'm not talking about central salvations. I can remember one year that VBS-wise, we, we ministered to 225 kids in the VBSs we did. You heard Inbar's report Wednesday night that there's a great move. We had 36 Spanish and 11 English in discipleship classes for eight weeks. Think about that. Eight weeks in discipleship classes because they want to be involved in the body. That's 47 people, and I can't remember the percentage that are 100%, but he gave those numbers, and it was good. God's blessed us like we could never imagine. And guys, I'm not the best at, when I hear people praise and worship God, I'm not good at that because I don't think quick enough. So I go back to Psalms 50, 150 again. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet and sound. Praise him with a lute and harp. Praise him with a tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with the sounding cymbals. Praise him with the loud clashing cymbals. Let everyone that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yes. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I believe these three things will encourage divine intervention if our heart's in the right place, when we're obedient. Man, think about what's going on in your personal life. Just look at it that way. 
or, you know, there's some family things that I'm dealing with that, man, I need a divine intervention from God. What, what are you needing a divine intervention in God? Because these steps or principles work the same. Are you obedient? Second John 1 6 says, and this is love, I don't think I've got this on overhead, guys, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. So obedience is walking in love. And all Christ requires of us is to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and love each other as ourselves. Love. But if you're like me, you need to kind of see an explanation of this. And when we was at National Day of Prayer Thursday in town, by the way, Oakton made me proud again. It was a low number. There's 50. But of that 50, 16 were connected to Oakton. 10 were actively members at Oakton. You guys came out in full force, and I thank you for that. But a guy got up and he read this, and the Lord spoke to me. That's what obedience is. Use that Sunday. It says, my son, and this is Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 9, because again, I don't think I have an overhead, but Proverbs 2, 1 through 9, my son, daughter, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for the insight and raise your voice for understanding, If you seek it like silver and search for it as a hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of the saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and and equity, every good path." I may have did a typo there, but but do we get what that's saying? That's obedience. Is when we press into the commands of God and say, I want to be more like you. I don't have to be because Jesus died on the cross and I can I can flounder here and there. I can I don't have to be a serious man. That ought to make us for, more serious. Man, all I feel is freedom. Lately, man, can you realize the freedom that we have? And now I'm sensing that freedom that we have, that there's no buyout, there's no building. Man, I'm feeling that freedom. And the Lord reminds me we had that freedom anyway. That freedom to express Christ, but it comes from that walking in Christ. Getting to know him, and when we do, you see that same principle that when we're obedient, that when we press into him uh, with what we have, who we are, we don't have to go out and go take a class. We don't have to go do this. We don't have to go do that. We've got what we need. And then him and his Holy Spirit come in and there's a divine intervention. Then you will understand Did you get that in the scripture? Then you will understand. So what are you dealing with in your personal life? What are you you dealing with? You need a divine intervention. Obey. 
Obey. Then you'll understand. Two, use what you have. Let's go to he, or Ephesians 4.11. Ephesians 4.11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. Until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So right there it is. When we're obedient to our calling, and our calling is what? To build up the body of Christ, to win people to the Lord. There's going to be a divine inspiration when we do this together. Why? Verse 14 is the why. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, in deceitful schemes. I am fed up with this deceitful scheme stuff. So why aren't we pressing into obedience with the Lord? Why don't we press into our spiritual giftings that we already have and start working together as a body for a divine intervention we can change this world why is it that Oakland can be a lighthouse for Oakland why can't we be a lighthouse for Washington DC why not God's just looking for obedient people willing to use their gifts and their callings to come together so he can divinely inspire them and he showed Oakton over and over the 20 or 25 years that me and Pastor Larry's been here. He's proven himself again and again and again that, that we limit him. He doesn't limit us. We limit him. He doesn't limit us. So why are we defeated all the time? What's going on in your life that you need a divine intervention? Obey. Operating the giftings and callings you have. Get together the brother and sister and you'll have a divine intervention. Fifteen, we need to rather speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is ahead into Christ. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We need all of you. I'm going to pin Tammy down, but, but there was 40 or 50 or more giving units to the pay buyout in the sanctuary. That's a lot of people. When you say giving units, that means Joe and Heather's a giving unit. Walter and Jane's a giving unit. That's a lot of people giving, and I don't know about the cash, there's many, many more. But we came together in obedience, together, and used what we had, and Jesus divinely intervened. Now you say, why are you talking money? Because that's in front of us, but it works in anything. What do you need Jesus to divinely intervene in your life? It's, it's just obedience. And some of us are too stinking bullheaded to do that. 
You have not because you want not. Kind of change that around a little bit, but you have not because you ask not because you don't want. (sighs) Divide and conquer. Together, we divide and conquer. How many have heard of the Jethro Principle? Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, the Jethro Principle. Some of you have heard this in college. we got one. Anybody else heard of this? Jethro Principle. Yeah, even the world uses what we have. But Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, after leaving Egypt, Moses, you know, went to the wilderness. And he's trying to govern two million people on his own. And Jethro comes to him and says, what's going on here? He's impressed. Man, I'm impressed with you, son, but, but I'm concerned for you, son. You work from sun up to sundown. Jethro asked Moses why he's doing this. And Moses said, whenever they have dispute, it's brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and laws. I'm in Exodus 18, 15, and 16 there. Jethro responds, well, what, what are you doing? What you're doing, it's not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourself out. The work is too heavy for you and you cannot handle it alone. So Moses or Jethro gave Moses three examples of dividing and conquering. Jethro advised Moses to teach others, warn them about the statutes of the law and let them do it. That's that dividing and conquers. Kind of what we heard with Jesus on dividing the 5,000 up. Moses only wanted to do the laws. He had to teach the laws of somebody based on God's laws and advice, train them up and let them do it. That's why we discipleship in the church. Me and Joe and Jim and Giselle don't need to keep doing everything. We don't need to keep doing everything. We need to raise up people to take these things. Jethro advised Moses to appoint other officials over the people. Look for able men from all people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe. So go out and look for people, train them to statues too. Make sure they're good, godly men and women that won't take a bribe. There's so much truth in that. And then he said to Moses, you only take the most difficult decisions. So that's three steps. And they use that in business. But that's what Jethro, through the Holy Spirit, I believe, told Moses. And that's that dividing and conquer. You know, again, we're obedient as a body. And then we, too, we use what we have, our giftings. And then we raise up in the body of Christ. Each one of us raise up into what God's called us to do. And then we go win the world for Jesus. That's what it's about today. God is so alive and real. If we just get it in here. And when we get it in here, I don't have to harp at people to be here on the Sabbath because they'll want to be here. Yeah, I could chase a rabbit, but I won't. The praise team will come forward today. But doing these three things will encourage a divine intervention. 
And I'm not saying it's going to happen right now, guys. We started working on this. Well, we've been trying to pay the building off since 2000. I think it's done in 10. We started in 08 building it. But when you're consistent in the things of God, he never will let you go. We sang about it all morning. So I say to you, stand to your feet today. Have you been obedient to salvation? Because that's the first step. If you're not saved today, you need to come get saved. You can't experience what I'm talking about without being saved. Two, this has always nags me. But a lot of times people get saved and they don't get baptized. Well, that's the first act of obedience. If you're saved and you've not been baptized the next fifth Sundays in July, get with us. Let's get you baptized. That's obedience. That's the first step. That's the first thing Jesus asked us to do. Is it required? No. But no is going to church. But Jesus asked us to do both. I could have gotten into a big doctrinal issue there, but, but the thief on the cross wasn't baptized. But I believe we need to be baptized at all costs. Me and Dad's been asked to go in and baptize people of other denominations because they don't believe in sprinkling. They're on their deathbed, and they refuse to sprinkle them. It sickens me. Sprinkle your people. <laughs> Don't call me to do it. We get too many religious laws. Yeah, we need to be submersed if we can. When you got a lady dying on her deathbed, baptize her. Don't call us to do it. Mm. Yeah, we did it or he did it. But maybe the Lord's telling you to be obedient in a way and you haven't been obedient. And guys, I can tell you, if you're like me, the Lord tell me to do something and I'm stubborn and it's a grind till I do it. But when I'm doing it, I'm looking back saying, you idiot, why did it take you a year to do that? God knows the best way and he's not going to do anything to hurt you. Give in to obedience. So maybe he's asked you to, to get something out of your life that's a hindrance. That could be that obedience today. And then I remind you today, you have all you need. You have all you need. If you're a believer, God's put in you all you need. You're obedient. He's given what you need to get by. Or don't even get by to be successful. In him. And then go divide and conquer it. And it may be you need to get me or Joe or, or a friend to come in there and help out. But divide and conquer. And expect a divine intervention. So we can't let go of that. If we lose hope, if there's no hope, it's hard to be excited and do things. But when you have hope, man, that helps you to press through. That's why we need to remember all these things I shared with you guys earlier about what Oakton's done, but I can name a hundred more. But we need to remember these faith steps that we've taken 
journal them, write them down, write them on your kid's forehead and permanent marker. <laughs> That's what happened to Joshua. But But when you commit to this today, I'm committed to this, and I believe the Lord's challenging you to be committed to these things today. Be committed to the vision and the mission that he gave us to go save disciples in east, west, north, and south. Be committed to continue to give of your time, your tithe, and your talent, because you know that's what God's called you to do. Are you with me today? Better yet, are you with the Lord today? If you need anything, these altars are open. Come up here and pray. And again, spend as much time as you need to here.